Welcome into the Deep Slam Podcast presented by Xfinity. Count on a powerful and secure Wi-Fi connection for all your devices. Xfinity XFi. Can your internet do that? All right, welcome in. It's week six, and I've got a great podcast for you. We've got tight end Dalton Schultz, and we also go behind enemy sidelines and talk about the New Orleans Saints. What can we expect from them? They're coming off a humongous win against New England at New England. They handed them a 34 to nothing blowout in New England. So these uh, Saints are coming into Houston, and uh, they want to uh, add on to that win total. Meanwhile, the Texans want to get their second win at home. They had a great win last time against the Pittsburgh Steelers, and they're in the thick of this NFC South battle. Four straight NFC South teams. They've got the Saints, then they've got a bye, and then it will be um, Tampa Bay, and then it'll be Carolina, and that'll be a wrap for the NFC South. So the Texans hope to uh, get a win on Sunday. But first, Xfinity delivers the fastest internet in Houston, so you can do more of what you love. Stream the game on a powerful and secure Wi-Fi network, and keep your home team happy with a reliable connection for all your devices, Xfinity XFi. Can your internet do that? All right, let's get it kicked off with Dalton Schultz. We've seen him catch touchdowns in recent weeks. So last week against Atlanta, uh, he had a team high seven catches, 65 yards, and the lone touchdown of the game. And then he caught his first touchdown as a Texan the week before against the Pittsburgh Steelers right here at home. And I don't think anybody thought that first touchdown would be thrown to him from running back Mike a.k.a. Motor Singletary. So we talk about the touchdown, Selly. Um, I think it's going to be different. According to Schultz, It's going he's going to change it up every single week. Hopefully we see a lot more of those touchdown celebrations. And it is National Tight Ends Day later this, this month. But I, I think that uh, these tight ends think that every day should be Tight Ends Day because we are so grateful for what they do, both the blocking scheme as well in, as the receiving game. So had a really fun conversation with Schultz. We talked about everything from growing up in Utah to going to Stanford to playing as a cowboy when Jason Witten came out of retirement and how that affected him. And then, of course, signing here with the Texans, what he liked about this team and what he likes about C.J. Stroud and the offense. We really, it's a, it's a nice, juicy, long interview because we covered all sorts of topics. So let's get right into it. Uh, we'll get the podcast started right here with Dalton Schultz on the Deep Slant Podcast presented by Xfinity. Hi, I'm Dalton Schultz. This is Deep Slant. Hmm. So official. I love it. Crushed it. Okay, Dalton Schultz on the Deep Slant, presented by Xfinity. Dalton, first of all, I love your Instagram handle, Bingham Baller Nine. Yeah, you said it right. Is it Bingham? Yep. Okay, Bingham, your high school and your town that you grew up in. Mm -hmm. Also, it's nine, so there's like eight ballers ahead of you. Yeah, I'm the ninth one. You know, it's a deep (laughs) list. You know, Twitter was. <laughs> no, nine is nine is like my favorite number. I've worn oh, nine. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I've worn nine since high school, so that's okay. kind of where it originated. You grew up in Utah. You wore mm-hmm. nine in high school. Were you a tight end in high school yep. as well? Yep. You've always been a tight end. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know. So, what- I, well, I grew up like my like eight to thirteen. I was a center, like a guard. Okay. And then, like when I hit thirteen, dropped a bunch of weight, made weight for like my last year of little league because we had the X man rule. Okay. Which I don't know if people. No, are I don't know with. what that so is. So it's like if you're over a certain like weight threshold. They put an X on your helmet. You can't carry the ball. I got under that threshold so I could be, like, outside linebacker, tight end. And then I got to high school and then, like, became a, you know. A tight a, end. A tight end, tight end. We had enough players on our team where we could, like, kind of platoon style. Sure. So, I mean, we had 11 on offense and then 11 on defense. So In Utah? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, the we, football. Were, we were one of the – yeah, we were a bigger school in Utah. I was going to say, a big high school powerhouse in Utah. Yeah. You know, Who we knew? weren't necessarily – Who knew Bingham? <laughs> back then, but, yeah. <laughs> 
Okay, so then you you went to Stanford. So Stanford was your first. Any other schools that you were yeah, thinking um, about? Like in state, I probably would have gone to Utah. I'm not a BYU guy okay. at all. I know it's like the the holy war. The Everybody goes holy there, war. right? Okay. Um, I wanted to get out of the or not out of the country of the state. The country so, of Utah. Yeah, the country yes. too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so like I wanted to like pursue a place that would kind of benefit me. You know, not only in the football side, but like the academic side. Intellectually obviously. Like, too, yeah. You know, Stanford. I mean, you can't you can't really beat it. No, like, you can't. Especially cannot. you know when I was coming out and like, I mean, they were kind of in the in the you know mix for national title contention, and so yeah, I think that was just like a no brainer for me. So I was like, dude, like this is amazing. You guys use three, four tight ends at a time. Like, run the ball well, throw the ball well. Like, yeah, I want to be a part of it. You didn't get, like, like, an engineering degree or anything like that. Like, nah, Andrew Luck, um, right? It, it was a BS, though. It was a, I did get a BS. Um, it was an STS, which is Science, Technology, and Society. Um, science, Technology, and yeah. Society. Yeah. That's interesting. So that was, like, one of the majors that, like, you could kind of, like, it was a little more flexible than some of the other ones. And so, like, I was able to kind of, like, make my own course plan and course load. Yeah. And I structured it around – I completely structured it around like video game design. So I took like as many like programming slash design courses that were totally focused on like making games. And, like, okay. Making video games. Is that what you not... would have done, you think, had you yeah, not played I would have done something in the industry. Really? Um, All right. It was either that or like architectural something or another. Yeah. I think those are the two like, as- like that you would have... the, the aspects of learning that appealed to me the most. Because I was like, dude, I'm in college playing football. This is amazing. But like. And you're the, getting an amazing degree yeah, at the same time, too. Yeah, but the too. school stuff, it's like, I'm going to do something that is, like, fun. So, like, learning's not, you know, a chore Yeah. on top of all this running and lifting and practicing. It's techie and it's creative at the same time. It's like yeah, a and good it's in Silicon those. Valley. I was like, this is, like, the perfect. You're set. But they didn't have a game design. That, like, but you major. settled for the NFL instead. Yeah, that's for you. Uh, it, was, it was a solid backup. <laughs> solid it was a good backup, backup plan. Was the NFL. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so you get drafted by the Cowboys, and I was reading a little bit about your history. I mean, you had a – a bit of a tough road early on. I mean, even though you were a draft pick for the Cowboys, you had to sort of yeah. work your way up on the depth chart, right? Yeah, no, for sure. I I played, I want to say my first game, I played like three or four snaps. And then I ended up like healthy scratching for the next five. Mm. And then, and then um, you know, I think our starter went down, he broke his wrist. And then like, I was kind of like moved up and got some more playing time and more playing time. And then it was like, you know, I finished the year like getting a, pretty solid amount of playing time, like a few catches, like nothing crazy. But, you know, I, I was like, okay, I'm ready to kind of like, you know, take more, Be in the of, NFL yeah, now. Yes. take more of a, you know, role in the offense. And then guy, Jason Witten comes back oh, and him. I'm like, dude, it, it was, it honestly <laughs> was like, I, <laughs> I say, I say this completely seriously. Like it was probably the best thing that really? could have happened to me was like to have him come back 100%. and learn like, yeah. under him. Because I like, was just wondering emotionally, like you're like, okay, Jason Witten's gone. We they need a guy, they need yeah. a tight end. You get drafted. Also, it's like I and then he comes back. Like yeah. we're watching it. It's yeah. like funny because I've never thought about that story from like a tight end's perspective, yeah, let alone and, and one on the team. To be honest, like I think my rookie year, like I just wasn't ready. Like mentally, I maybe was, but like that leap from college to the NFL physically, uh-huh. especially when you're playing in the trenches all the time, like. Dude, it takes a it takes a year or two to kind of get your feet under you to feel like okay, I can I feel comfortable blocking like one on one with like these huge DMs. The NFL type players, know, yeah, freaks. And so I think um, you know, kind of having that a little bit of like you know bite of the apple my rookie year, and then kind of taking a step back and like seeing what 
I mean, a walking Hall of Famer sure. is able to, like, you know, kind of how he goes about his week. That was, like, yeah, the best. I'll say it again. It's the best thing that, that happened for my career, for sure. What What do you think was the biggest lesson that you learned from him? Like, being a pro, obviously, but, um, like, anything else that you felt like you would not have gotten about the position or the game had he not come back? Yeah, I mean, honestly, there's too much things to, like, put on anyone. Like, I've learned so much. Um like my film study habits, like are literally just straight from him. Like I asked, I I sat him down and asked him one day. I was like, hey, like how do you, how do you prepare? Like how do you watch film? What do you look for? Like what's your film schedule through the week? And he like walked me through it, and that's literally what I do. You that you do that. So to I the still day. yeah I still prepare watch film just like that. And then, I mean, just to like have an example of a guy who's just obviously been able to do it and do it at the highest level for as long as he did, like you learn how to kind of carry yourself and you learn how to practice and like things to do things to like, you know, necessarily like put a bunch of extra time into and things kind of not, not to worry about. Like honestly watching him do like the offense against scout team mm -hmm. was like very valuable. Is that right? Because there's something, there's some things that he was just like, like he would lose on the block and I'd be like, Oh, you know, did he just get, he just got beat. And then he'd be in the film room. He's like, yeah, like I, that's the exact footwork that I'm taking in the game because, like, Deion's not going to play like that. He's like, oh. I don't care about this rep. Oh, like, interesting. Okay. Like, I'm – and so seeing his focus on, like, how he would prepare, I mean, that just helps a young sets player you too. Up. Yeah. So. I mean, it sets you up nicely. You've had, like, back-to-back -back games with a touchdown. So can we talk about just your touchdown celebration with C.J. Stroud? Because he didn't uh, even throw you that touchdown. It the, was oh, the uh, first, first of all. First of all, let's we, we'll talk about Singletary <laughs> yeah. in a minute. We'll talk about Motor in a second. Yeah. But just just your the rapport with CJ, the touch. He's got a celebration with everybody, and it seemed like you guys have your own. Yeah, thing that's too. like his thing. He's like he's it's a big he's a big handshake guy. Okay. And so like um. So who came up with a handshake? You oh, or him? He did. He, he did. It he's for like sure. this is going to be our handshake. Yeah, that's my dog. <laughs> okay. And so what is your? Hand can I ask you? Like nah, you you just got to see it. Pull the, I saw run the it. clip. You, you guys, Somebody run you the guys, clip. Yeah, we'll run the clip here. But you did like this arm crossing thing, yeah. and then like I, I yeah, can't we'll mix it up. Yeah, we'll see the next one. Like now that you've called us out on it, you know we'll it's have something. We'll have something in the back pocket okay. for the next one. Yeah. So he's. I noticed that he's got different hand. I thought first I thought it was a West Coast thing, but then I was like, no. It seems like for every player, he's just got a different celebration. Yeah. Everybody. And he didn't even throw that touchdown. He was so happy for you. So. It's my dog. Yeah. How about <laughs> how about uh, Motor's skills at quarterback? Oh my God! You talk about a ball, like a ball coming from a running back too. Like he put it, it back nice. shoulder spiral. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, dude, you keep throwing balls like that. I'm going to have to buy you a watch or something, bro. <laughs> like, and I heard that play did not go well in practice the week. Like, you guys yeah, tried that no, play earlier in practice. It. Yeah, you overthrew it in practice. And then you weren't nervous? Like, but as soon as, yeah, as yeah. soon as he overthrew it, I was like, oh, this is about to, it's it's about to be work. Good. No, yeah. it's about to work. Oh, okay. As soon as he, like, threw it over my head in practice, I was like, oh, yeah, we're dialed. Really? <laughs> yeah. So that doesn't make you nervous no. that when you run a play in practice? You're no, like, this it's like, it's funny. Sometimes, like the bad stuff that happens in practice like solidifies that it's going to be good for the really? game. But yeah, because you get the bad rep out. Like Oh, you're like I like, had one you know, bad rep the in defense me. does something and like, you know, somebody messes it up and it's like, "Oh, freak, like I I missed my assignment." Yeah. Well, now you know you're going to be, be perfect in the game. Cuz like you had the you had the hard look in practice. You had the messed up. I'm rep. so curious because what if you have a great rep in practice? Does it work the other way? Like, yeah, no. No, it doesn't it's work the other way. It's going to be great in the game too. <laughs> All, everything is it's good. It's always going to be great. <laughs> I like that attitude. I like the positivity. Yeah. All right, so CJ's your dog. You you guys worked a lot this offseason together. Like, you guys got close. Yeah. And he's he has said some really great things just about you being 
a security blanket for him. You're a veteran in the league. What is that like, your relationship with him, a guy so much younger? When you signed here, you didn't even know that he was going to be your quarterback. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, just like the scheme that we have, like the kind of the Shanahan offense, it's it's a lot of timing and rhythm. And like as soon as, you know, we picked him and I was like at the forefront of my mind is like, hey, we need to start building that rapport and that timing and that rhythm because that's that's the most important thing that especially a tight end can have with mm-hmm. his quarterback is just, you know, giving him a spot that he knows exactly where I'm going to be, when I'm going to be there. And like I know exactly where he's going to put that ball on, on what look. So that was definitely like something that I want to get started on like right away because those things are those things take time to kind of grow and like build confidence in. And I think that, you know, he's done a good a job as anybody on preparing and, you know, making sure that, that he's right and his eyes are in the right spot and he's making the right throws. And I think just continuing to build that kind of rapport with each other is going to be, you know, key. You know, I think that, you know, when you have a guy that you can really count on and opens up the offense, regardless of where that position is, whether it's, you know, receiver, running back, tight end, like, you know, you start building a good enough rapport with a guy, like teams are going to kind of hone in on that and then, you know, other guys are going to be open. So, yeah, you. I I remember you saying when you signed here, you actually were drawn to D'Amico because of the defense, right? The, because yeah, I mean, what you saw in the playoffs yeah, last dude, year with I the mean, Cowboys. He's, he's got guys in the right spots all the time, like making plays. Like, dude, it feels like it felt like every time we played them, like they knew exactly what we were doing, and so it was like, you know, I just I'm a I'm a believer in just the scheme aspect and so that was obviously attractive on the defensive side of the ball Uh, yeah well on both sides okay like i mean this is so you this is basically two san francisco coaches right you're like we're we're gonna have the same scheme the same ideas and so i think that you know for sure that was attractive to me because they've given (laughs) they've they've given me issues you know what i mean so i mean it's pretty fortunate you got to stay in the state of texas right because dallas to houston Especially what is, like with the first move, like yeah. We, I was, you know, worried you spent about your that. whole career in Dallas, yeah, in the NFL. And so I think our the first move being, you know, only four hours away, like in terms of just driving, yeah, like it's an hour. It's not even an hour flight, four hour drive, right? Like it's easy. It's I mean, easy, you could fly like a hundred times a day to Dallas if you. I mean, not a hundred, but there's a uh, lot I mean, of flights. I think there's a little bit more math there. to do there. But I mean, yeah, right? I mean, more or less. Forty-five minutes, fifteen, <laughs> twenty minutes, change over twenty-four hours in a day. I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's very easy to get to Dallas and back. So yeah. <laughs> what what do you? I've lived in Dallas. I lived in Dallas briefly, and there's like this big rivalry between the two cities. What have you thought about that? Just coming from Dallas to Houston, because you have been on the other side of it. People in um, Dallas, what they think about Houston, Houstonians in Dallas. To be honest, like, I haven't felt that. Really? Like, and I could be, just be out of touch. Like, I don't know. I don't Probably. feel, I don't, <laughs> yeah, I don't feel like any animosity, like, from oh, wow. either party, to be honest. Okay. Like, okay. I don't know. I, We're going to give you a little bit of yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Please, somebody. <laughs> I'll give you some time before you start feeling it. What about uh, Tex-Mex? You, you had uh, uh, some bold opinions guy. on Tex-Mex. Still not a Tex-Mex Still guy. not a Tex-Mex guy. Yeah. There's actually one, there's one Tex-Mex place that I, like, really like. In Houston? Um, no, it's in Dallas. It's Ugh. called E-Bar. <laughs> okay. E-Bar is fantastic. E-Bar. And yeah. it's a Tex-Mex place? Mm. And so what is the dish that won you over to Tex-Mex? A little bit. I guess you're not uh, fully one over. It's just the way they do stuff. Like, uh-huh. their tacos are kind of a little bit more on, like, the authentic Mexican side. Oh, And then okay. they have, like, this queso that's just – it's a white queso. Like, it's sex mex queso. Yeah, but sure. But really, really good. Okay. Really, really bad for you. Really bad for you. <laughs> yeah, okay, so amazing. your your weakness is what cuisine, then, if it's not Tex-Mex? Um, sushi or Mexican food. 
Okay, sushi or Mexican? Yeah, I'm a big sushi oh, guy. Oh, yeah, okay. Sushi. Yeah, and you grew up in Utah, so where did you start eating sushi? I started in, like, high school, maybe. Interesting. Uh, no, I take that back. It's funny. My first sushi roll was actually at um, Wild Wild Oats, <laughs> which not many people, I'm sure, will know no. Wild. It's basically like a Whole Foods-ish type store. Okay, in Utah? Yes, and I want to I want to say they had more around the country, but yeah, they so they made sushi, and my mom like slowly like, hey, you want to try it? Yeah, and, like it was just tuna rolls at the start, and there was um oh my god, what is it called? Aniri? Yeah. Tofu. Uh-huh. Uh Like it's like a bean wrap that they put okay, rice in the middle. Yeah. It's fantastic. Okay, so um, you a big sushi fan? Yeah. All right, so sushi. Getting there with the Tex Mex. What about family? You've got a couple of kids. Yeah. Okay. So, yep. How old are the kids? Um, my kids are five and two. Okay. So my boy just turned five. In oh, July. nice. And then, um, so he's in kindergarten now. And then we've got a two-year-old who's very much in the middle of a two terrible year old? twos. Yeah. Two-year-old. Awesome. <laughs> What's the best part of terrible twos? Uh, the best part of terrible twos. The, the nice parts. Like the... The most entertaining the, parts. The crazy... Energy all over the all place the time. makes you really appreciate the like ten minutes of like snuggles that you get like before <laughs> like, finally bed. they're quiet. You're like or like uh, last game, last home game, they were down, and I came out and like I turned the corner and I just hear "Daddy, I found you!" and like it's my daughter and she runs up. Aww. And, like, those moments are great. So they they're old enough to watch you and they're yeah. old enough to know that you play football. Yeah, they don't. They st- I don't think they get like how cool it is necessarily like i don't think they'll get that you could probably do anything at this age and they would think it's cool and so i think like getting to the point in my career where they kind of understand like how you know rare it is to be able to be in this position will be cool but like it's been so nice to come home you know especially when they're in the area just to like doesn't matter what you did doesn't matter what happened in that game? Like they don't know if you've no scored. So, okay, so my do they my, know? Boy, my boy actually does. Like <laughs> if you scored or so if you won, game, the first if we won, okay. the first game we came back and he's like, "Dad, you lost." Oh, I'm like yeah, yes, we thank did. you. He's like, yeah, you lost the Ravens because they had more points. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, life man. lessons. Yeah, it's like thanks for the yeah, reminder. Appreciate it. Well, <laughs> oh, that's so adorable. All right, so I wanted to wish you an early happy National Titans Day. Thank you, big day. Uh, do you celebrate? How do you? Celebrate your big holiday touchdowns. every year. Touchdowns. Yep. Okay. I like we to celebrate see it. touchdowns in the end zone. Okay. What's your, do you have a favorite play? That uh, yeah. Block, release, catch, bike. Okay. Yeah. Any play with that. Any, what, can you tell us what that is? Yeah. You block and then you release and then you catch it and you <laughs> spike it. <laughs> I was like, he's literally going to describe what the play yeah, is called. Sweet. I thought I was thinking more details, but. That's sweet. No, that's it's fine. all the detail. That's very Block, catch, release. Yeah. Okay. So block, I'm, release. Block, release, catch. catch. I've sorry. already messed up the play. Yeah. Block, release, catch. I'm wishing you lots of touchdowns uh, for National High Ends Day. It was a pleasure to sit down and chat with you. Thanks. National Tight Ends Day, that's the fourth Sunday in October, but we're going to celebrate it all month long, all season long, and we love what we're seeing out of the tight ends so far through five games. Hope to keep that momentum going, and they'll get another chance on Sunday when the Texans host the New Orleans Saints, and we get a chance to go behind enemy sidelines, talk about the Saints team that's kind of hot here in recent weeks. They get back Alvin Kamara, they've got Derek Carr on a bit of a roll, and they've got a defense that is stout, ranked in the top 10 in a number of statistical categories. So we're going to catch up with Chrissy Freud and find out what this Saints team is all about.
We're going behind enemy sidelines and joining me once again, Chrissy Freud. She covers the Saints for SI.com. Always have a good time catching up with Chrissy. Chrissy, here we are in the regular season. It's like we blinked and, and we're already in the thick of it. So how how are things looking in New Orleans? Yeah, I think that they're looking good. I mean, the Saints have had so many games that come down to like a touchdown or less. And most of them decided between one or two points. So um, you get the sense that the team is kind of about to turn the corner and it's kind of so close yet so far away, uh, win or lose. It's we look at the defense, the defense has played pretty stoutly throughout pretty much the entire season, but then the offense seems to finally have started clicking and it's kind of the question of, is it play calling? Is Derek Carr getting better? So we're just trying to find some consistency, but yeah, it's, it's interesting just how much the time has flown by. I mean, we're already past mid season in college football. It is crazy. And I mean, I think you mentioned the Saints putting things together. I mean, they're coming off as complete of a win as they could have possibly had 34 to nothing at New England. What do you think was more impressive in the win? Was it the offense or the defense? I think the defense is something that is, I mean, they've shown good things all year long, but to pitch a shutout um, obviously makes a very big statement. But the thing about this game that we've been saying is temper your expectations. It's so interesting to me because the New England Patriots and the Alabama Crimson Tide are kind of, they were synonymous. And it seems like the mighty have fallen at the same time. The Patriots, beating the Patriots is no longer making a statement. This is a team that is borderline self-destructing. But whenever we looked at that game, the thing that made it complete to me was the way that some of the underrated defensive players kind of came into their own a little bit with a, a bit of a different type of opportunity against a team like the Patriots. But then also Pete Carmichael has said time and time again, I've got to get better. I've got to get better, but things have never really gotten better. And this time we see it. So Derek Carr seems to be playing better. This is, I think his most complete game of the season uh, coming off of that shoulder injury too, which makes an even bigger statement in my opinion, but we have to see if this is going to carry over into this week against a team like the Texans and then into teams down the stretch as well. So it's it's just going to be interesting to see if the, if the Patriots game is reflective more of the Patriots being a poor team this year or of the Saints having turned the corner in a big way after just having, I, I think, lackluster is a bit too complimentary of the way the offense has been. Well, I mean, it seems like I'm glad you brought up Derek Carr. We did not see him in the preseason at all, but in recent weeks with Alvin Kamara coming back, it seems like he's sort of found his rhythm. I mean, what have you seen from Carr and his progress through these first few games? I think the thing that's been good with Derek Carr as of late is that he's performing in the red zone. The Saints were having some issues in the red zone, and he didn't throw the ball very often but I think that he did a better job of taking care of it. The thing about Derek Carr that we discussed the last time we talked about him and that comes up in conversation every single time is that awful touchdown to interception ratio. It's been an issue regardless. And people talked about, well, maybe with the change of scenery, it will be better. But the thing to look at before is whenever he was with the Raiders, the only team he's ever been with. Yes, it's one team, but over that time period, there were changes within the coaching staff, changes in the roster. There were times that there was a lot of talent around him and times that there wasn't. But the one thing that rang true was that Derek Carr had a poor touchdown to interception ratio. And I think that he's doing a better job taking care of the ball. And then we're realizing, I mean, everyone who looked at this team knew that the absence of Alvin Kamara was going to be an issue. It was going to be a negative. I mean, whenever you lose a player like that, that's a big deal. But he's playing vintage Alvin Kamara at, at the same time that Derek Carr seems to be settling into rhythm at the same time that Pete Carmichael hopefully can repeat twice in a row uh, some decent play calling on his end. And so all those things coming together, the Saints offense, it's not explosive, 
but it's giving reason for optimism. And then coupled with that defense, which is one of the best, not only in the division, but in the NFL, I think that we could see something really good coming out of this team if they can just establish some consistency. Yeah, you mentioned Alvin Kamara. He's coming back after serving his three-game suspension. So we saw him use more in the passing game against Tampa Bay and then more in the running game against New England. So, you know, what have you made of his role? Do you expect that to change week to week, or is it still just evolving in this offense? I think to an extent it's evolving. It's going to come down to – I. I think that Pete Carmichael is going to look back kind of some of the things that worked as far as play calling. I mean, this is to score 34 points the way that the Saints did this past game is a huge upswing whenever you look at the total, uh, the total points scored and the way that the offense was performing um, in previous games. So I think he's going to look back at that game plan. But whenever I look at draft prospects, whenever I look at Alvin Kamara, whenever he's at his best, that's the epitome of what you want to model a running back after in today's modern NFL. You want someone who can, depending on whatever the game plan calls for, the kind of defense you're facing, you want someone that you know that you can trust through the air, on the ground, and as a blocker. And a, a running back that can't do all those things will never be elite at the NFL level. And it's kind of something that I feel like we use as just kind of the bar for evaluation of a running back. But I think that he ran quicker and ran harder in this game than he has in a long time. I don't know if it's just kind of, He's got some extra juice to him because he served that suspension. Uh, but I think we're going to see some really good things from him. And it's been huge having him back for this offense. All right, let's uh, switch gears, talk a little defense. They've obviously shined through five games. They're ranked fourth overall in the NFL. I'm sure those Patriots numbers have helped their ranking some. But just a lot of coaching changes on that side of the ball. But what do you think has been the biggest factor in their success this year? I think third down stops have been a big deal. I mean, especially in these close games, it's like I said, every single game except for this one. And then the loss to the Bucks for the Saints has come down to the wire. And in situations like that, being good on third down is so important. Whenever they face the Patriots, they held the Patriots to one of 14 on third down. So I think that that's been a very big thing. And then also the combined passer rating against the Saints this year so far, 66.1, extremely low. So this is the, the Saints are doing a good job of getting to the quarterback and a good, a good job of forcing teams off the field at the end of their drive. So I think that just all around, it's been a really solid defensive unit. All right. In that back end, we see Tyron Matthew, who we've got some familiarity with here in Houston. So the Saints get back their safety in Marcus May. So what should we expect now that that tandem is back together on the field? Really good things from the secondary and more takeaways. I think these are two of uh, the greatest players in that position across the league, some uh, guys who are super established. So I think that the Saints, as far as ball hawking and takeaways go, uh, you're going to see an uptick there. All right. Good stuff, Chrissy. I know you cover a lot of SEC. You cover a lot of college ball. What else are you working on this week? Quarterback everything. <laughs> uh, <laughs> a lot of interviews in the hopper that haven't been published because I think anyone in the media knows it takes 500 years to transcribe everything. Um, I finally, I was one of the last people to finally get a transcription app and it has saved my life. I feel like I've been making things so difficult on myself. So a lot of quarterback feature stories coming out, a lot of quarterback rankings, and of course, uh, covering this game with takeaways and all the analysis as well. I mean, draft season's going to be here before we know it. Great stuff, Chrissy. Always a pleasure catching up with you. Awesome. Thank you.
Noon kickoff against the Saints here at NRG Stadium. It is the last game before the bye week, and then the Texans will be back at home to host the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So a uh, little bit of back-to-back NFC South action. You can get your tickets at HoustonTexans.com slash tickets. And be sure to like, subscribe these podcasts if you like what you're hearing. Leave me a comment. Let me know what you think. And uh, these will be rolling here throughout the season. So thank you so much for listening. And as always, go Texans. <laughs>